0: This message is brought to you by Cornerstone Gospel Church in Frankston, Australia. So, praise the Lord. Let's uh, let's continue on then this morning as we look at the process of growth. Um, and we have looked at all these subjects, and we're looking this morning at continuance. Um, and we will open. Uh, with Romans eight shortly, so if you want to turn there, Romans eight, you can you can head over there. But it's often true that we start the Christian life with a a great deal of zeal and hunger, and before long we we think we've made a lot of progress in the Christian life. And um, the truth is, though. That even when we're just, you know, two or three years down the track and we're, we're thinking to ourselves, look how much I've grown, um, which can be kind of true, but it's not true in the sense of where God is taking us to. And so um, it seems that before long, as we proceed and the, the years roll by and, and um, you know, the reality begins to dawn upon us, that there's almost infinite areas of development Uh, for us in different areas of life. And so, um, you know, that can be a a difficult thing for us to reconcile, and sometimes it can almost be um, a little bit disconcerting because uh, on the one hand, in the early stages of our Christian life, we felt like we were growing at an exponential rate, and then we come to a place where suddenly we sort of plateau or maybe we even think we're declining and um, uh, receding in our our Christian growth, uh, not just receding in the hairline, um, but many of these development areas. And you see, the the problem for us is that we think, based on the circumstances or the present feeling uh, that we're experiencing, we can think that we are declining or that God has forgotten us or um, all these kinds of things. But the 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 issue is that many of these development areas, these places in which we really grow, they actually seem to be like a spiritual desert at the time. So we feel like I'm I'm in this spiritual desert. There's no seems to be no spiritual activity, no service, uh, little or no fellowship with the Lord. It seems like our, our fellowship in that time is broken and and it filled with despair or or loss. Um, uh, you know all these kinds of things. Sometimes it feels like our fellowship with Him or with others is broken altogether. Um, if we're praying, it seems forced or repetitious, or or just feels like empty words that that fall out of our mouth to the floor. Um, any Bible study we're doing seems to be, um, you know, feel like we're not learning anything, not not getting anywhere, and it it can have this feeling. And you notice I've used that word feeling and sense. A lot. It can have this feeling that everything we're doing is adding up to nothing, and uh, you know this can be a um, uh, or this is a wrong perception at the time because you know sometimes through all of that uh, we're just crying out, "Where are you, Lord? You know, where are you, and and why am I facing this this difficulty? Why is it that I can't seem to sense you being near me?" Uh, at this time. I I want to have more of a sense of your presence in my life at this time. And so it often feels like God has ceased working um, and the situation is hopeless, yet it's this sense that we have is entirely untrue. There is that hunger. The reason we have that sense is because of the hunger that we have Uh, deep down that prevents us from entirely quitting. And so let's turn to uh, Romans chapter 8, and we'll read our key text there this morning, Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us, if we hope for what we do not see we wait for it with patience let's pray now father we thank you for your word this morning and lord what a what a stirring challenging and encouraging passage uh, for us to consider we praise you lord God for this passage and we thank you for the truth within it help us to glean truth from it that we can live our lives thereby in Christ's name, Amen. Hallelujah! What a wonderful passage. Well, also Second uh, Timothy, two, verse sixteen. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead to, uh, it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among whom, uh, among them are Hymenius and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from it. iniquity. Hallelujah. Well, uh, Paul continues in that passage and he says, now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honourable use and some for dishonourable, and if we took that verse um, and just stopped at that point, we would think that this is what the Lord has. But Paul talks about you and I there becoming an honourable vessel. He says therefore if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonourable he will be a vessel vessel for honourable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, Ready for every good work. And remember, we we read uh, in this text, verse 19, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. A question for us is Are we to simply love? The Lord and and trust the Lord and respond to Him only when He seems to be blessing us. So, in other words, are, are you and I to function by um, in a in a Christian life uh, by a standard that says I, I have a feeling, I have a sense of God's blessing on my life, and so I know He loves me. And so, you know, let's translate that a little. Circumstances are really good at the moment. God is is blessing me so much. Praise the Lord! I know that God loves me. And I love him in return. Now, if we were to turn the circumstances around to uh, the negative, then obviously we would conclude that if the circumstances were less than desirable, we would say that for some reason God doesn't love me um, at this point in time. And um, this is a wrong uh, mode of thinking. Now, the truth is that God knows what the cross is going to mean in our lives. He knows the death march that lies ahead of us um, uh, because it is death before resurrection. And, and sort of to understand that, go back through the earlier messages in the series, the process of growth, and and see that there has to be death before resurrection. He knows the broken, the barren, the bleeding, Hearts beyond us, beyond what we understand, God understands the brokenness that you and I experience in life. And it's to them that he must minister. And so in order for God to enable you and I to minister to others in the ongoing work, remember we're talking about continuance, in the ongoing work of the Christian life, God is going to use you as a vessel through whom he can minister to other broken and and desperate and and hurt and uh, damaged and barren and bleeding people, whether they be unbelievers who are broken in sin, or whether they be believers who are experiencing that brokenness uh, through the circumstances of life and and the tragedies that we all face this side of eternity. And um, so he's going to bring us to a place. Uh, where where we don't care what happens to us where we are holding our lives not as dear to ourselves but as dear to the lord and um, a place where where God is all that matters and the reality is in order for that to take place then god has to rid us of our self obsession um did i just say that you and I are self-obsessed. Um, yes, I did. And that is the truth. You and I are obsessed with self, and, and that's why as soon as pain happens to us, we want to uh, nullify that pain. As soon as difficult circumstances happen, we're scurrying to work out how we can get out of those circumstances. And, um, you know, we're very reactionary as such, rather than going to the Lord first and, and asking him, Lord, what are you teaching me in this? And one of the ways in which God ministers to broken people through us is in the realisation of how just how broken we are. Now, uh, T. Austin Sparks, he wrote, Sonship is something more than being born again. It represents growth into fullness. It is Quite a good thing to be able to be a babe while babyhood lasts. But it's a bad thing to be a babe when that period is past. This is the condition of many Christians. While sonship is inherent in birth, in the New Testament, uh, in the New Testament sense, sonship is the realization of the possibilities of birth. It is growth to maturity. So the New Testament has a lot to say about growing up, leaving childhood and attaining unto full stature. With this growth comes the greater fullness of Christ and the abundant wealth into which we are saved. It is a matter not so much of that from which we are saved as of that unto which we are saved. The grand climax of the, the grand climax of the new creation is the revealing of the sons of God. What a powerful passage for us to consider this morning. New believers and immature believers, because immature, maturity is not necessarily determined by longevity in the Christian life. But new believers especially are often taken up with the external uh, factors of the Christian life. And the Lord allows this for a time. Then he begins to get us and our externals out of the way. Now, you might ask why that is, and, and I'm glad you did. I'm glad you asked that. And it is so that the Lord can be our all in all. We have to sit and ponder this for a while, that God would be our all in all so that you and I are not ministering from a a present sense of self-achievement, that we are not ministering from a present sense of self-growth, but that we are ministering to others uh, from the all in all, that is, from Jesus himself being the minister who ministers through our lives, that we become a vessel for his purpose. And sadly, you and I, many times, there's was way too much of our personality, way too much of our um, self-will, way too much of our self-importance in that which we do day to day, whether it be for those around us, um, ministering to them, way too much of our own opinion, way too much of our own insight rather than that which God wants to say uh, through us. And this is why... The the father begins taking away much of what we thought we had. Um, he he begins stripping down the securities that we have within ourselves, within the routines of life, and things like this. And this is the beginning of a long cross-centered transition from doing to being. That instead of focusing on our works and our individual efforts, that we're focused on what. What God can be through us, what he can transform us into being, which is ultimately Romans eight twenty nine, transformed into the image of Christ. And so this is vitally important for us to understand that God is taking us from a place of focusing on what we do and deriving some sense of achievement, some sense of importance out of what we do to what we can be for him. God is, and I've said this in recent weeks. He's making the messenger. We can we can recall the message um, from memory so many times, but God is making the messenger. That was the um, Austin Sparks. Quote, quote there so and during these stages of uh, of growth it's easy to think that God has stopped growing us and developing us um, you know because because we have this kind of sense that God has uh, moved away from us uh, we get a a, a feeling that, um, that we've stopped growing and, and we've stopped, um, you know, the, the sense of excitement and uh, various different elements of the Christian life seem to have vacated. Um, but this is the paradox of such growth. The way up is the way down. The true process of growth in the Christian life is not what you see on the external it's always that which is happening beneath the surface, you know. Um, I've, I've planted a little hedgerow of uh, camellias, and boy, I want to see those things grow up. But, uh, you know, they're, they're flowering, and they're only small, and they're sparse at the moment. And um, But I know that there's stuff happening beneath the surface, because there's not been much vertical growth, but they look healthy, and, and they're developing. And as the Uh, we progress through the winter, that's going to be the case. And as the soil warms, there will be the external. uh, There will be the appearance of what's been happening deep beneath uh, the soil. And this, you know, we can have a sense in these times when God is working deep down in our hearts that the Lord is just not moving us on in our Christian lives, that somehow he seems to have forgotten about us and that we've been cast to the sidelines. But this is... This is the enemy's thinking. This is wrong thinking. It's possibly even self-thinking because we we started from a place of self-importance and thinking that we've got so much to uh, give to the church and, and to the Christian world. And, you know, that, that has to be gotten rid of. And so the Lord is working to work beneath the surface. He's working down deep in our hearts and in our lives so that the roots would get established. And, uh, you know, we can we can spar with these ideas and simply let go of our own thinking and the enemy's thinking by allowing God to do what he uh, does best in our lives and resting in the scriptural knowledge that he is firstly our father, our father God amazing thing isn't it that God would take you and I who are entirely unworthy um. There's, there's nothing you can say that will convince me that you were somehow worthy of being saved. Um, that's entirely untrue. God takes us who are entirely unworthy and he makes us his children and he allows us to speak. Think about this for a moment. He allows you and I to speak his words to others. Can, can you imagine that, that God would do that? And long before we understand their value or their importance, he's he's given us opportunity to be a mouthpiece for the gospel or to be a mouthpiece for counsel to others. Maybe even before we fully understand the depth of that counsel needed in our own lives, he's allowing us to speak his words to others. And uh, through a process of disciplining and chastising of us, he teaches us how little we truly know and understand um, sometimes how little we've understood what we've just said to someone uh, but we've repeated it because we've heard it um, and through this process though through his process he is forming us to be his living epistles now this is the main thing because you you know you can you can get your your phone and you can, uh, open up a Bible app and you can have that app read scriptures to you and uh, and it will speak it out. But that app is not saved. That phone is not saved. It hasn't been converted by the power of God's word. It's just an app reading a coded text that's been put into it and, and that coded text is converted into an audio sound that we can listen to. There's There's nothing in it. But God is forming you and I that we would be to this world his living letters to people, that we would be uh, in the long run, you know, these living letters to the people around us so that we're not just uh, by memorising, and that's a good thing, it's a valuable thing to do. We're not just by rote sounding out things, but we're a living epistle through whom his spirit is moving to reach other people, and to transform us on the inside, so that we are entirely new people within, uh, and that you know, he—it's that inward work that really matters. You know, there's there's so much been so much emphasis since the eighties and nineties on the signs and wonders, ministries, and uh, you know, I do believe God works miraculously. I've seen Him uh, heal people by His grace. Uh, all these kinds of things. I'm not a cessationist in position. However, the the most important thing, God is not relying on spiritual gifts um, as a demonstration of who he is. It's, It's the overwhelming importance of the Lord in our own lives that is the most important thing. That's the most important thing. These Money preachers who who want to be involved in some kind of signs and wonders ministry, so that they can convince people to give into their ministry and and give toward uh, what they're doing, uh, all this kind of thing, you know. And there's so many uh, video clips available on on YouTube, YouTube and other sources that show these people going away from such meetings and being entirely hypocritical and ungodly in the way that they speak with their focus on money. God is trying to make us, the most important thing is that he makes us into being his living epistles to the world around us. And this is an ongoing work of God in your life, that he is doing this. And so, you know, the Holy Spirit delights in manifesting himself through your life as a living epistle, making you the message that he is sending out to those around you. Not just the ability to be able to speak it out, but that you and I would live the very crux of the message that we're declaring to others. This is what God wants from us. If we are simply living for heaven, then God's process becomes baffling. Lord, you saved me, and now heaven is going to be my home. In between, getting saved and going to heaven in between that if we experience trial or tribulation we'll be thinking Lord I want heaven to be my home but why does this feel so much like hell in the meantime and so um excuse me for a moment uh, if we um, believe that if we're just living for heaven then God's process is going to seem baffling uh, to us but if as a believer, all we want is what God wants, then every trial, every desert, every process he takes us through will be seen as an encouragement that God is at work in our lives. What did Paul say? For this light affliction, which is but for a moment, works in us a far more and exceeding weight of glory. God is working in us. And this is what we need to see increasingly in our lives and, and understand that even the deserts, even the trials, these are God's work in our lives, that he is moulding us and he's shaping us in that time. And um, uh, he ever continues to work in us and through us, um, which is that which he began in the first place. And what is he working? He is moulding and shaping you and I into the image of Jesus Christ. This is the the vital thing for us to recall all the time, that God is shaping us into the image of Christ. And and we should hunger hunger for that, that we would reflect more of Jesus in this world around us. C.A. Coates, uh, a, a brethren, minister from the late 1800s and early 1900s. Um, He lived to a ripe old age for that time. He was born in the early 1860s and died in the, I think it was the 1940s, so he was around about 80 years old when he passed on. He said, if our hearts are really true to him, we may be assured he will lead us on in the knowledge of himself just as fast as we are able to advance. Now, that's an important point because God's process of growth is not rushed. Remember, we talked about that way early on, that time, that God takes the time he desires. is not a, Growth is not by our timetable. It's by his timetable. He knows how much we can take in, and he does not fail to minister to us the very food that is suitable to our present need. We may sometimes feel inclined to be impatient with ourselves because we do not make more rapid progress, but we have to learn to trust the Lord with our spiritual education. If our eyes are upon him and we follow with simple hearts as he leads us, we shall find that he leads us by a right way and brings us through all the exercises we need in order to form our souls in the appreciation of himself and of all those blessed things which are brought to pass in him. We have to trust his love all through, and to learn increasingly to distrust ourselves. But the heart is desperately wicked, Jeremiah said. So, what I, I mean, this is a, a phenomenal quote, and there's a lot in there to um, uh, to consider. You could pause at this point um, after the live stream has, has taken place, and you'd be able to uh, take time to ponder through that. The Christian's life is not a promise of ease and painlessness um, and prosperity. It is a promise, though, that through all the circumstances of life, and that could be painless at stages. um, It could be ease at stages. It could be trials and blessings. It could be ups and downs. Uh, The the experience of choices and consequences of those choices, through all of these things, all the circumstances of life—the health battles, the relationship issues that happen even within the body of Christ, or or within uh, or among our unsaved family members or unsaved uh, workmates, uh, whatever it might be—the church failures. There's more than one or two of us um, who have. Uh, been through the door of Cornerstone that that have experienced uh, terrible experiences in churches um, through all of these things, through everything, the Christian life is a promise that through all of those things, God is in charge. He changes not. And he's, he has a purpose through those things to take you on to more and more growth that God can develop you. This is his continuing work in your life. Now Paul writes to Timothy sorry about that flashing in there but Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1. You then my child be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Wow. Where does that verse fit into the wealth and prosperity preaching of today? Share in suffering as a good soldier of messiah jesus now that is a profound statement isn't it you see i rejoice to see you continue in jesus it, it always brings joy to my heart but it really brings joy to the heart when you see and and you you grieve with those who grieve and you see someone who's going through trial and tribulation. But at the end of it, you see that they have been strengthened and you see that, uh, that in a profound way, their life has been shaped. Their life has been molded. Uh, it's, it is an amazing thing and it's a, um, it, it co- it's a great cause for rejoicing in the growth of other believers. Well, Second Thessalonians 3 in, in closing as we come to uh, this text. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honoured as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. It's a phenomenal statement there in verse 3, isn't it? But the Lord is faithful. This is a statement of absolute affirmation by Paul. He says, We've, we've been, uh, hammered by, um, uh, by people around us, evil people, wicked and evil men. Not everybody has faith. So, um, we might conclude from this that Paul is talking about the legalists, the Judaizers that, that followed him around and, and uh, were always uh, contravening the, the grace filled teachers uh, teachings that Paul brought to the church. But despite this, he then says in verse three, "But the Lord is faithful. This is his nature, that God is faithful. that is who he is. He is faithful. The Lord is faithful, and as part of being faithful, he will establish you and guard you against the evil one. He will establish and guard you against the evil one. This is what God will do, Paul says. The evil one can't take you out in this world, regardless of whether uh, he may be the prince and the power of the air, um, you know, the the god of this world. He can't take you out uh, at all. He he can't hurt you. He can't damage you. He can have no lasting effect over you, other than what you may give to him to affect you through wrong teaching, etc., wrong behaviour, which stems from wrong beliefs. So um, Philippians 1 verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you are all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. This is what Paul is thanking God always for in remembrance of them in prayer, that they've been partners with him in the gospel. Verse six, and I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. when, when is God going to finish with you in terms of bringing you to? ultimate maturity and completion, it is at the day of Jesus Christ. And that day is still in the future, despite how insane this world may be at the moment and how near to the end we must be. He is going to complete that work in you at that time. Verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you're all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Beloved, this is a phenomenal way for us to finish this series, and that is in the full confidence that God Himself is in charge of your life. He's in charge, He, He knows how to. Uh, bring you to that place of full and absolute uh, and total growth in Jesus Christ, that your life would be to the glory of his name. And so we thank the Lord for that. Hallelujah, Our Father, we praise you and we thank you this morning, Lord, that we can have absolute confidence in you that you're working in us to bring us to that place of maturity in which we would reflect to the world around us the glory and the image of Jesus Christ. Lord, not a man-centered gospel, not a man-derived image of Jesus, but a biblical image of Jesus Christ himself to the world around us. Work that in us, Lord God, through the difficult times and the joyous times, Lord, Work that in us that we might give you thanks in all the situations of life so that we might be able to live to the praise and the glory of your name. So we thank you this morning. We praise you. We thank you for everyone that has listened and everyone that will listen to this message going forward, Lord. And we ask that you would bless them through its words in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening to this message. You're welcome to duplicate this message in its entirety for non-profit purposes. For more information and resources, visit cgc.org.au.